couple weeks into this new series, Christian Atheism. What do you really believe? Like really, like not, not just what do you say with your lips, but what do you say with your life? Because as Christians, of course, we profess Christianity, but sometimes our life says something different. Our knee-jerk reaction day in, day out, what we tend to think and feel and how we act and react and respond what we expect and what we hope, it's sometimes much more atheistic than we would like to admit. And so we end up finding out that, wow, I, I think I might be a Christian atheist, a Christian atheist. And I told you as we launched this, that was really found in Titus chapter 1, verse 16. If you remember this verse right here that says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. And so you see the divergence there. There is lips versus life. Lips versus life. That is Christian atheism. What do you really believe? Now to get to the particular topic that we want to talk about today, let me tell you about a story that I heard. Evidently a true story about a town that was a dry town. And in that town, a uh, business owner decided to build a tavern. And the church there, one of the churches, was not excited about that idea. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing the, the bar owner wanted to sell cheap beer like light beer and wasn't good craft beer like an IPA. I don't know. They were bunged up about it, though, so they were going to pray against it. They decided to pray all night against this and to see what God would do. Well, lo and behold, I kid you not, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. And the bar owner sued the church. The church hired a lawyer to defend themselves in court that they weren't responsible. At the court hearing, the judge had a great line. Look what he said. No matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. <laughs> right? <clears throat> prayer is the topic. What do you really believe? I know what you say with your Christian lips, but what do you really believe in your heart about prayer? Now, in order to set up Christian atheism, let's first just talk about full-bore atheism. Of course, of course, atheists tend not to pray. They think there is no one there to pray to. And they think prayer is an emotional crutch. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Nothing's going to happen. They are prayerless. They don't pray. <clears throat> but Christian atheists, by contrast, tend to pray. They're Christians, after all. They pray. But how is it that Christian atheism impacts prayer? What I want to do this morning is I'm going to talk to you about three ways that I think Christian atheism impacts prayer. And then we'll work right back those, through those same three things and see how theism would inform that and speak into it, okay? The very first one is this, that we tend to pray to the ceiling. You know what I mean by that? Like, you're just, your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You're pretty sure there's no God out there, but your voice hits the ceiling and bounces right back. Not really praying to God himself. To get at that, think, think for a moment, if you will, pick some famous person, alive or dead, with whom you would love to have a sit-down conversation. Like you could have a two-hour dinner appointment with them this Friday night. Like Pick somebody in your mind. And here's what I want you to imagine. You, your dream is coming true. You get to have a, an appointment, a dinner time with them this Friday night at a restaurant of your choosing. 
and you can ask them anything, talk about anything. What a great opportunity. Here's the problem. What happens from today until Friday night is you start to plan and prepare for that time. You imagine that time. What you do is, what am I going to wear? What restaurant? What table will we sit at? Where will I sit at the table? How will I sit? What will I order? What might she order? What might he order? And what will I say? What, what will he or she say in response? And you get it all and you go over it and over it all week long so that when Friday night comes, what happens is tragically, you just hit play on that rehearsed baggage. And so you go through that whole night with all your planned rehearsed stuff such that that person that you had the opportunity to meet with didn't even need to be there. It was extraneous to the whole experience. What a missed opportunity, Right? You see where I'm going with this. I think that is what we do with prayer. God has extended to us as his children, excuse me, has extended to us as his children an incredible opportunity that we come to the prayer table. We get to actually speak to him. But we have so much prepared and practiced and rehearsed baggage and expectations, so much ritual and religion that's layered on top of that, that we actually miss the privilege. It's as if God doesn't even need to show up to our prayer time. What a missed opportunity that is. Prayer, quite simply defined, is simply talking to God. That's all it is. But I think we have redefined prayer. Let me tell you what prayer now means. Prayer means you get on your knees, and you fold your hands, and you bow your head, and you close your eyes, and you speak a long, eloquent monologue using vocabulary you never use in normal speech. That's prayer. Where is talking to God in that? There's no talking to God in that. You are praying to the ceiling, and it's bouncing off, and and you're not really sure God hears. You're hoping He hears, but you wonder if He doesn't, and you are going through the motions of a religion God doesn't even need to be there. That is a God-less prayer. There's no God in your prayer time. That is Christian atheism right there. That's the, the first problem that I see, praying to the ceiling. Now, <clears throat> the second problem that I see is not taking cover. Now, what do I mean by that? It, it's a failure to duck. I don't, maybe you've seen movies where there's some military campaign going on and there's a group of soldiers and they're engaged in battle and they realize it's not going well and they need some help so they radio for air support. Have you ever seen that scene where they radio for air support? Sometimes they're so close they call it danger close. Danger close. Radio for air support. You know what they do next? Take cover. I want you to imagine the sergeant that radios in for air support. The next thing that happens is he stands up and just walks around. You would say, dude, what are you doing? Duck, take cover. Didn't you radio for air support? Yeah, but I don't expect anything's coming. Then why did you radio for air support? That's so stupid. I think this is kind of like what we do with prayer at times. We Listen, when you pray, you are radioing for air support. You are calling God saying, I need some help here. And then you stand up and you fail to take cover. You fail to duck. You were saying in that moment, I don't think that anyone heard me. I don't think anyone cares. I don't think the bombs are coming. I think there's no support out there. A failure to duck. We don't expect him to answer. And what's even more kind of condemning of us in this situation is when God does respond to our prayers, we're shocked. Aren't we? We're so surprised. You have no idea. I got to tell you this. This is amazing. Why are we so shocked? Our assumption is atheistic. 
that God would never do jack squat for us. And then when he does, we're like, wow, this is cool. Why don't, why don't we assume the opposite? We ought to take cover. Our prayers are God-less. And then the third problem I see with Christian atheism hitting our prayer life is we expect to be God to God. I am God's God. I am not submitted to him, not submitted to his sovereignty. And this comes out in two ways. Number one, I expect him to obey me. So when I say jump, he should say how high. And then secondly, it's also what I pray about, my desires. I am not a praying according to his will. I am praying according to my will. It's not a submitted life. C.S. Lewis teased this out. He wrote uh, an autobiography of his early life called Surprised by Joy. And in that, he relayed an experience when his mother was dying. And she was at death's door, and so he prayed to God for a miracle. Now, at the time, he would say he was not a Christian. He actually converted later, but he had religious Christianity, and he was praying for a miracle, and for sure, God didn't show up, and his mom died. Here's what he says about that experience. I had approached God, or my idea of God, without love, without awe, even without fear. He was, in my mental picture of this miracle, to appear neither as savior nor as judge, but merely as a magician. And when he had done what was required of him, I suppose he would simply, well, go away. Those aren't submitted prayers. That is not a submitted life. You see, what happens in these cases is my prayers have very little to do with what God wants. They have everything to do with what I want. And I dang well expect God ought to obey me because I'm God to God. And that is a problem. The problem with that is that I'm not God. (laughs) So, So that is Christian atheism on display. So listen, I want you to catch this. With Christian atheism, we are not prayerless but our prayers are godless. There it is. With Christian atheism, we are not prayerless, but our prayers are godless. And when that happens, the tragedy is that prayer is so boring. Prayer is totally neutered of all its power. It's ritual, it's mundane, it's frustrating, it's useless, it's pointless, and so we don't pray. So what's the point? It's Christian atheism. Now, what I want to do then is work back through those three things and let theism inform each of those. So again, the first one was right here, that we pray to the ceiling. And and instead, what we need to understand is that God is listening. God is listening. Great example of this comes out of the Old Testament from the life of Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, you can read about it there. What it says is that Moses used to take something called the tent of meeting. I love the name for that. He was going to meet with God. He had a play and he would pitch it outside the camp, away from everybody. And he would go out to the tent of meeting. And when he would go into it, it says that the pillar of cloud that represented the manifest presence of God would descend at the entrance of the tent. And listen to this. It says, and Moses would speak to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's somebody that knows God is listening. Well, yeah, but that's Moses. That's not us, right? So what about when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us to pray. You know what he said to them? You know this famous prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer. How's it begin? Our Father who art in heaven. 
The very beginning of Christ's instruction to us is a direct address. It is a moment where we pause and we realize it is a conscious realization that I am actually speaking to the God of the universe in that moment. And he's listening. He listens to our prayers. So one of my favorite quotes on prayer, I, I discovered this when I was in college. And it was one of the very first things I ever preached on. And I used this quote in that time. Found a mistake in it this morning. I've been using it for decades and it was jacked up. Anyway, so I fixed it. But, uh, but uh, great one. And, and I want you to hear this. It comes from R.A. Torrey. It's in a very simple book, an old book called How to Pray. Here's what he said. But some will say, is not all prayer offered unto God? No. Very much of so-called prayer, both public and private, is not unto God. In order for a prayer to really be unto God, there must be a definite and conscious approach to God when we pray. We must have a definite and vivid realization that God is bending over us and listening as we pray. In very much of our prayer, there is really only little thought of God. But... When we really come into God's presence, really meet him face to face in the place of prayer, really seek the things that we desire from him, then there is power. This is only possible by the Holy Spirit's power, so we should look to the Holy Spirit to really lead us into the presence of God. And, check this out, and we should not be hasty in words until he has actually brought us there. Men and women, I got to tell you that when I read that and came to understand that, started to apply that, that revolutionized my prayer life. That revolutionized my intimacy with God. That revolutionized my spiritual life. That led to a lot of who I am today and my relationship with God. Because that is prayer. That is speaking to God. It is not religion. It is a real relationship with a real God who is really there. He really cares and he's really listening. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. And here's two things that might help with that. Number one, pray honestly. A lot of times you don't feel like praying, right? Start with that. Hey, God, I really don't feel like praying to you right now, but I think I should. Some of you are frustrated and angry with God. Start with that. You don't understand he's omniscient and he knows anyway, right? Might as well put it on the table, right? Like just start with that, right? Like be honest, pour your heart out, be real with your God. He wants to hear from you. And then the second thing that I, your pastor, want to tell you, I want you to pray imperfectly. Imperfectly, okay? I heard it said, pray as you can, not as you can't. A lot of us are trying to pray as we can't. Pray as you can. What's that mean? Don't be showy. Don't be inauthentic. Don't try too hard. Pray imperfectly. I told you that Craig Groeschel ripped off his book from my mind. Still bitter about it. I'm working through it. Uh, but uh, I, I read in there, he, he said that God hates it when we wear masks to the meeting. Are, we, are you doing that? I'll give you a, a, let me give you a longer quote from him where he teases this out. He says, as a parent, I'd much prefer my young children to climb up into my lap and speak honestly. Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. Would you help me? Imagine the same child standing before me addressing me thus. Grand omnipotent father of the household, I beseech your presence. 
Great provider of all I have, grant me thy presence through the long watches of the night, for lingering fears beset me. Verily, until dawn's first rays at last light my heart with hope. <laughs> Shut up, kid. I gave birth to you. Um, Shannon did most of the work, but I, I know you. Like, who, seriously? Stop it. Just talk to me. I think God's saying that. Will you just talk to me? Do you guys know what a napcum is? It's because you don't live in my house. My daughter Madison, when she was just a little girl, could not say napkin. And she would say napcum. Okay? Now, you, parents, you know how this goes. Now, that's part of our family lore. The girl's 17 years old. We still say napcum in our house, right? Why? Because we loved it. Could you imagine as parents, she asked for a napcum, we say, no, unless you can say napkin, you are not getting one. It's ridiculous. We loved it. It's, oh, she said napcum. You, you, you go ahead, take three. You know, like, we loved it, right? We loved it. Why do you think your God's any different? Why do you think God is judging how you speak to me? He's a dad going, oh, that is awesome. Look at, look at him. Listen to her. Love it. So I want you to understand God is a good, loving Father. I want you to pray like He is listening, like the God of the universe is bending over listening to you as you pray. Now the second correction we need is, remember the second point was that we, we don't duck, we don't take cover. Instead, what we have to understand is that God is powerful. God is very powerful. I read a story about a town... Uh, it was an agricultural area, and they were experiencing incredible drought. And so, they, I mean, they were up against it. It was getting bad. It was going on way too long. They were desperate. They said, you know what we got to do? We just got to have a town-wide prayer meeting. Ecumenical in the sense of any denomination, we don't care. Come together, town center, and let's pray. And what they said is, uh, we, we want everyone to bring some token of faith. Like, so some people brought crosses or crucifixes. Some people brought uh, rosary beads or some people brought a Bible. They were bringing tokens of faith and they're going to pray for rain. One little girl brought the best token of faith. An umbrella. See that? That girl had faith. That girl believed God was powerful. And when they asked for rain, you better pack an umbrella. She got it. See, Christian atheists have godless prayers. But if you actually pray to God, if you call for air support, you better duck. If you pray for rain, you better have an umbrella in your hand. God is powerful. James 1 verses 5 to 8 talks about this. Look what it says there. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Right, so pause there. What it says is you have a need in your life. You, you've got some decision to make. You don't have wisdom. So go ask God because he's powerful. He's generous. He'll hook you up. He'll give you wisdom, okay? But here's the caution. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. You're just flipping back and forth. I believe in God, I don't. I, I, you know, like you're all over the place. Look what it says. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be the person that if you, you pray for rain, you pack an umbrella. You believe God is powerful. There's a person in Christian history that really exemplified this. His name was George Mueller. Uh, famous uh, Brit, he, he was uh, in Ashley Downs in England. He ran an orphanage. 
famous for his orphanage work, but also for his faith in his prayers. And he has many stories. One of them is that there was one day when the table was set, but the plates were empty and the mugs were empty. They had no food, nothing in the kitchen. There was nothing in the bank account. He had no way to provide food, just food, for all these orphans that were depending upon him. So he said, children, let's go to the table and let's pray to our father and see what he will do. So they bowed their heads and he said, Father, we thank you for the food that we are about to eat. (laughs) George, open your eyes, man. There's nothing on the table. What are you talking about, dude? You're crazy. You're crazy. As soon as they said amen, knock at the door. It was the town baker and he said, listen, I woke up at 2 a.m. and I had this great impression that God was telling me I needed to bake bread for you guys today. Here's all the bread. Just started coming in. They're setting the table. They're put, but the problem is the mugs are empty. They have nothing to wash it down with. But nonetheless, Mueller is still thrilled. He's giving thanks. He's giving praise to God. And before long, another knock at the door. It, it was the milkman whose cart had broken down right outside their front door. He said, I've got all this milk that's going to go bad. Can you guys use it? You can, okay, great. I, it lightens the cart anyway. And now I can fix it. And all the milk came in. And Mueller has tons of stories like that. Now we hear those, and you know what we do? We get surprised, don't we? Why do we get surprised? That's godless prayer. Like, we shouldn't be shocked by that. If theism is true, then doesn't it make sense that you pray to God and he, he provides? He's a good father. That makes complete sense. And when we pray like that, prayer becomes dangerous, becomes powerful. The famous Methodist minister Samuel Chadwick, he's long since dead, but uh, he had a great quote on this. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Do you know why? Because Satan ain't scared of you. He's scared of God. And when you pray, you ask God to act. And Satan's going to duck, even if you don't. He gets it. He gets it. Folks, this is why we started the prayer link. I hope you know what that is. Prayer link, we put out, one of the members of our staff puts out a short video every Monday saying, hey, congregation, we're a family. We need to pray together for stuff going on in our church. And and I I asked to start this several months back. And let me tell you why. Because I can't do it. I just can't do it. Our staff team is awesome, but we can't do it. Look, we went out as a staff team just last night for our annual staff gathering. I love them. You guys should be blessed. That is a staff team. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about them. They are gifted, talented. They love Jesus. They love you. They're hardworking. They're an awesome staff team, and they can't do it. They're not good enough. Listen, if God doesn't show up, we are done. If Jesus doesn't move, we've got nothing. And we have to as a church. We have to go before him together and beg him, God, will you move? And Satan is trembling at that idea. And so I hope you're on social media and you go on and you see that video. If not, go, go on our website every Monday and we upload one there. And we have to, as a church, we have to pray together. That's the only hope for Redemption Chapel, that God would move. All right, that's the, uh, that's the second correction. The third correction is right here. Take a look. Instead of expecting to be God to God, 
we understand that God is sovereign. I'm not God to God. He is God. He is sovereign. I am submitted to him. And that will come out in two different ways. Number one, I submit my prayer request to his sovereignty. I don't expect him to obey me. But also, secondly, I submit my life to his sovereignty, which means I pray about what he wants, not just what I want. Let me talk about both of those. First, submitted prayer request. Folks, this is what it means to pray in faith. Sometimes you, you got to pray in faith. And sometimes what we think that means, it's like a Harry Potter thing, like you got to believe the Patronus spell enough to make it out. No, that's not what it means. It means two things. It means, number one, that I understand that God is powerful, that he is alive, that he is active. I pray expectant. I pack an umbrella because he is God. But it also means that he is sovereign. And while he certainly can, he might not. I am submitted because he is God. Because he is God, he can. Because he is God, he might not. And sometimes I might understand that and sometimes I might not, but he is God. Those are both what it means to pray in faith. God is way smarter than us. Way, way smarter than us. Sometimes as a good father, he says no to his children. Like when your children ask you if I can juggle the kitchen knives and you say no, you're being a good parent, right? I had something like this. Caleb, when he was a little kid, he loved Batman and he wanted me to buy him Batarangs. You know, those things that Batman throws, they were like real ones with like blades on them. Like he was just five. I'm like, no, no, you know, he had tons of requests. Like he would always start with, you know, what would be so cool. I would say no before he filled in the blank, right? Every time, like, no, we're not going to do it because I was a good dad, but really only an okay dad. Look, me compared to Caleb is an infinitesimally small gap when we talk about us compared to God. He's way, way smarter than us, and he's a good, good parent, and he loves to give good things, not bad things, to his kids. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 to 11. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, thanks for that, Lord, if you, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? He knows what you need. Sometimes you're asking for bread. He ain't giving you a stone. He'll give you bread. Sometimes you're asking to eat a stone and He's going to go, no way. Uh-uh, here's bread. You're asking for a serpent. He's going to go, nope, here's a fish. He is a good, good father. And so listen, yes, we ask in faith, meaning we take an umbrella with us. At the same time, we submit to him and we realize when we ask him for something, we're saying, God, will you jump? And he doesn't say how high. He doesn't obey us. Take your umbrella, but realize he might not send the rain. He is God. And so what I want you to do when you pray is I want you to trust God. We've got this funky language that we say, I am trusting God that he will. Uh-uh. I am trusting God, period. I'm just trusting God because he is God. He has, listen, he has goals for you. You understand his goals are not like for you to have bat batarangs. That's not his goal. His goal is to conform you to the image of Christ. And sometimes he has to say yes or no. He'll do whatever it takes to conform you to the image of Christ. We saw this in the Apostle Paul's life. 
He had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times for God to take that away. Every time God said no. Do you think if God would say no to the apostle Paul, just maybe he'll say no to you occasionally, right? And he gave a reason. Why did he do it with Paul? It was because he wanted Paul to realize that my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness. He was using that time to say no, to conform Paul to the image of Christ. And he's got the same goals for us. So when we pray submitted to the sovereignty of God, it will change us. We think prayer is about changing God, getting him to do something. No, prayer is oftentimes about changing us. And it can happen that way every time. We've got to submit our prayer requests to God and just trust him. He is God, he is smarter. But then secondly, we also have to submit our life to God. This is where we start to pray kingdom prayers, big prayers, dangerous prayers, very dangerous prayers. Now, before I go into this, let me give you a caveat. God is your daddy, and he loves his kids. He loves you. You can run to him, jump into his arms at any time, and ask him for anything. When my kids were little, sometimes they say, hey, daddy, would you help me tie my shoe? You know what I'd say at that moment? I'd say, no, I'm a big, important pastor. And I don't do shoelaces. That's for some, somebody else. And, and so do you have any questions about church? Do you think that's what I said? No way. No. What I would say is absolutely, I would love to. And I would run and I'd help them. And it was one of the joys of my life is to get on my knees and tie their shoe. Why do you think God's different? There's nothing too small You can bring it to your daddy. If it's a shoelace, pray to him about it. That's fine. Okay, that's the caveat. Keep that in mind. Because at the same time, I need to balance that with James chapter four, verses two to four. Look at this. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay, so first is, look, the reason you don't get anything from God is because you're not praying. You're not asking him. But there's also a second problem. Look at this. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Here's the thing. That's, we have to have a submitted life. If God, if theism is true, if God is real, eternity is real, the kingdom is real, do you think that should impact our prayer life a little bit? Should that show up there? Now, some of you are going, wait, I have no idea how, how even to begin with something like that. What do, I, what do I do? Let me give you a simple idea. Usually when we go to pray, we ask ourselves a question, what do I want? And then we pray. What if you started with a different question? What if you started out saying, what does God want? And then pray. There it is. What does God want? And we pray. That is a submitted life, submitted to the sovereignty of God. And there is an example of this uh, in my life that I've been benefiting from and blessed by. It's a guy named Steve Mean. What a gift. Some of you have met Steve. He and his wife, Gay, are uh, missionaries down in Costa Rica at Robley Alto, the orphanage down there. Met him, I don't know, the first trip we were down there. We clicked, we hit it off. But we didn't have much of a connection relationship. Boom, I'm back to the States see in a year, two years, whatever. And yet, uh, I'll tell you what, sometimes I wonder how I'm as healthy as I am. With all that we have going on in our church, all that I have going on in my family, you want to know how I'm this healthy? I think it's Steve Mean. God asked Steve to start praying for me. 
like Steve would tell you, he's not a prayer warrior. This is really odd for him. He's never done this, but it was clear to him that God was saying, I need you to start praying for Rick McKee. And he took up the challenge. And he doesn't pray for me regularly. He doesn't just pray for me daily. He prays for me several times every day. And it is such a gift to me. And you people are, ben- like, we are all benefiting from Steve Mean. And here's why I tell you this. Do you know what Steve gets out of it? Nothing. It, the question was, what does God want? And he called Steve to pray. And Steve is pouring into my life through prayer. And I am so grateful. That is a kingdom prayer. That's what it can look like. All right. So that's the third correction that we pray submitted to his sovereignty. Now, what I want you to do this week, let's land it here. I want you to pray. Some of you don't pray much at all. I want you to at least pray once a day. If you tend to pray some, then I want you to pray at least five times a day. When you get up, first thing, before your feet even hit the floor, breakfast, lunch, dinner, when you go to bed, five times a day. But listen, If you're not careful, those are going to be godless prayers. So here's what I want you to do. Remember this list. I want you to realize God is listening. And so pray honestly. Pray imperfectly. Address your God. Listen, we've got this habit. Like, a lot of us pray weird. Some of you pray really weird, okay? Like, goes like, Lord, what I'm asking you, Lord, is that you would, Lord, please, Lord, in my life, Lord, today, Lord, like, ease up on the direct address, all right? but you can leverage that. What if you, you, every time you say his name, you realize, wait a minute, time out. I am actually speaking to God right now. He, he is actually listening. Ooh, that's good, right? So we're going to realize God is listening. Now, secondly, duck. Take cover. Take an umbrella with you. God is powerful. If you pray for rain, pack an umbrella. Don't be surprised when God acts. Be surprised when he doesn't. And, and then thirdly, don't try to be God to God. Let God be God. He is sovereign. You pray submitted. So you submit your request to him, which means you simply trust him and his answer. He's way smarter than us. But then we also submit our life to him. So I'm not going to pray according to my will. I'm going to pray according to his will. And I want you to do that this week because I don't want you to pray godless prayers. Listen, folks, this is when prayer comes alive. Dwight Moody said that most men's prayers need to be cut short on both ends and set on fire in the middle. This is when prayer comes alive, when prayer is electric, when prayer is powerful, when you are connected with God. And if you do that, I told you, it changed my life. It will change your life. I want you to actually, this week, start praying, perhaps for the first time in your life. Enough of Christian atheism. Let's pray. Father, I want to, in your presence right now, allow a moment. Because, because Lord, I've been talking to these folks, and I, I want to allow a moment that we could pause before you, and that each and every one of us individually could ask your, your Holy Spirit to lead us into the place of prayer, to remind us what we are about to do and to whom we are about to speak and that you are listening. Would you remind us of that now before we pray? And oh my goodness, Lord, what a ridiculous privilege that you, the God of the universe, would actually bend over and listen to us as we pray is crazy. I realize, Lord, it is something that 
Jesus purchased on the cross for us a high, high privilege, and we don't want to squander it away on godless prayers. We want to connect with you. We want to actually speak as if you are listening. Father God, we, we want to understand that you are powerful and we want to understand that you are sovereign. And I pray that this week, that this congregation would pray as like never before. Take us there, Lord, please. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.